sexual assault and sexual misconduct on college campuses. We spoke with Hanine Arkasos, an MPH student and a volunteer with the Aurora Center for Advocacy and Education at the University of Minnesota to learn more about this important public health topic. We hope you enjoy our interview with this incredible student and advocate. So to get started, um, can you tell listeners your name, your position, and a little bit about the work that your organization does? Okay, my name is Hany Narkasos, and I'm a graduate student majoring in community health promotion. And I volunteer with Aurora Center for Advocacy and Education as a sexual assault advocate. Um, so my organization provides free and uh, free um, and confidential services to victims of sexual assault, relationship uh, violence, and stalking and harassment. And also, they accept walking. Um, clients during the weekdays from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And in addition to that, we provide 24-hour helpline. Uh, and this is exactly what I do with them. So in uh, those helpline, we just like provide like support and we listen to the uh, sexual assault uh, survivors and we try to provide them the resources that they need. Also, um, Aurora Center facilitates groups, support groups such as sexual assault survivor groups, healing after relationship trauma groups, women of color support groups, and male identified survivor groups. So how did you become interested in, in your current work at the Aurora Center? Oh, I like this question because I always like to tell people why I'm, why I'm interested in this work. I, actually, in 2018, when I was getting my education in academic English studies at Lewis and Clark College, I attended a training about sexual assault peer advocacy. And in this training, I learned about the substantive impact of sexual violence and survivors, such as like post-traumatic stress disorder and how it's important to be a supportive listener and, communica and communicator for the survivor. Also, I remember it was the first time I was told about the concept of consent and how consent should be look like. So besides how much that training was an eye opener for me, I knew this is like something I would like to commit to in my future. And since then, since then I was like looking for opportunities to become an advocate for sexual assault survivors and help spread the awareness. And you know, even in my uh, personal statement, I have mentioned that when I applied to graduate schools. So a quick aside, according to a multi-state sexual assault prevention nonprofit, Speak About It, affirmative consent is a conscious, voluntary, mutual, and enthusiastic agreement to engage in sexual activity. Each person must be fully aware, equally free of coercion, communicating clearly and unambiguously, and sincere in their desires. Consent must be ongoing and can be revoked at any time. Intoxication or incapacitation negates consent. This definition is thorough, but a bit dense. If you want a breakdown of this definition, you can visit wespeakaboutit.org forward slash affirmative dash consent. So then how would you describe reproductive justice um, to someone who knows nothing about it? 
Yeah, so generally speaking, reproductive justice is our human right to have the complete control over our bodies and have the access to quality resources we need to make healthy decisions in all areas of our lives, regardless of our socioeconomic status. And it includes all women, it includes LGBT community and youth as well. Why do you think that reproductive justice is something we should be like concerned about? And what are the consequences of potentially ignoring this issue? I think reproductive justice is important because it demands to address political and economic and social well-being, and it helps to address to uh, to address the associated inequalities to reproductive rights that could negatively impact women's ability to access reproductive health care services and take control over their bodies and lives. And without reproductive justice, people like women and LGBTQ will be oppressed and lose their reproductive autonomy and rights. As a result of that, their overhealth will be affected and we can see significant consequences such as female genital mutilation that are an awful tradition in the Middle East or the high, rate of the high rate of unwanted pregnancies and depression that we can see here in the U.S. And speaking of that, I still remember a saying by one of the reproductive justice advocates, her name is Jessica Waters. She said in her TED talk, women who cannot control her reproductive decisions cannot control anything about her life, which I think is a totally true and scary phenomenon. So building off of that, question. Um, can you share a specific example of how advancing reproductive justice um, can improve the health and well-being of young people in communities that you serve? Yeah, this is a good question because I have a great example of advancing reproductive justice, which is uh, the act violence. Uh, I mean, like the the Violence Against Women Act, in which by law states are required to provide free sexual assault forensic exams and free prevention treatment for STIs for sexual assault survivors. And also I would like to add these services are provided by well-trained forensic nurses. And according to Minnesota's law, each survivor has the right to have an advocate to support them during this examination. And, do, and during the law enforcement um, investigation if the survivor chooses to. Do you know if, um, if folks on, um, with different gender identities are also able to receive services? Yeah, these services are provided to folks with different identities and it, it's uh, provided for men identified uh, folks and women, women identified folks uh, as well. Can you share with us maybe a challenge of serving that population that you serve? Yeah, I guess the lack of awareness about sexual assault and the importance of having a conversation about consent and how consent should be look like are major challenges that make many people be vulnerable to sexual assault, which is something I just learned like lately, like when I was 28 years only. Not only, I mean like this is an, an, an old age to, to, to learn about all these concepts and I feel like I wish if somebody told me about them before. And that's why I feel like I am obligated right now to, to help to spread the awareness and tell the people about them and how they are important to know.
undocumented in our life. Uh, our next question for you is, um, what are some groups that historically have been underserved by reproductive health providers? My answer to this question is like women of color, because even like reproductive justice is just started by 12 women of colors. And I, I think like they are the most uh, vulnerable to being un undeserved in this case, and also LGBTQ community. In terms of an international students, I think we are still have gap in this population. And actually like lately, one of the adolescent workers, it was like trying to communicate with the international office at the University of Minnesota to try to, uh, to fill that gap and see what kind of needs that they have to provide. And they're still working in that. So I have no idea if there are other like places that they're doing to they're they're doing work in terms of international students, but I I I have been interested in that and expressed my interest because like I know how like international students they have they have different background and they see things differently and maybe they don't understand that. The, the, the importance of having like supports in, in terms of sexual assault and like for example like back in my country or like in the Middle East in general like women can be can face rape by their husband but they don't determine that as rape or sexual assault so I think there is a big gap that we need to like to focus on to share the awareness about like this is not something acceptable and you have to be aware this is something is like harmful for you. So from your perspective are there ways that we can make sexual assault services like those provided by the Aurora Center more culturally competent and inclusive of international students? I think they are like culturally competent but like the international student they don't know about them like they are not aware about the resources that that available for them I think I learned about like how being vulnerable is not something bad it's something okay to be vulnerable when, like because like everyone is vulnerable in his or her or her own way and like realizing that you are vulnerable and you can, how can I say that? You have to be vulnerable first so you can be able to serve a vulnerable community like this community. Yeah, I would like to say the continuous education. As I told you, I got my first training back in 2000, 2018. Then I received an amazing and intensive 40 hours of training on how to support victim survivors of sexual violence and how to prevent future sexual violence from occurring. Also, I like to watch like educational videos and read more about the, this field in order to enhance how I approach these cases. This question has a little bit more of like a hopeful focus, um, but have you seen any um, encouraging developments in reproductive justice? Yeah, actually in, in this semester, I was uh, interested to 
um, develop my intervention for breastfeeding and I learned a lot about that and I found that in some areas they already implemented policies in some areas uh, I mean they already implemented policies um, that allow women to express breastfeeding during this work uh, during their work time and also the research and the studies that focus on identifying and addressing the gaps within the reproductive justice reproductive health and reproductive rights and also in some states sex education and HIV education are, manda are mandated to be uh, taught to youth in schools and also for, like the existence of sexual violence prevention centers that provide tremendous and important services such as Aurora Center so, by the way, I, like the helpline services are offered for people affiliated to the University of Minnesota, but also uh, we serve people from different states and we accept international calls via Skype as well. This is just a, a, a follow-up question. Have you um, been transitioning a few of your services during like the COVID-19 pandemic? Have you been like doing more? Um, telephone outreach or anything or Skype outreach? Okay, actually, I since like COVID-19, I had only one shift and tomorrow I, I will have another shift. And in that shift, I didn't get any phone call, but it's something normal. Like some days you don't, you didn't, you don't get any phone calls, but also because I work like during the, the time that the office is not open. So maybe they, during the day, they already received calls, but like during the night, like because I have to be on call during the night, so maybe nobody just called. But I, I cannot like speak of other people because like every, each day is different. And like, we don't have like the same rate of calls every day. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the only thing that has changed that we used to, um, to respond to hospital calls, but now we cannot go to hospital because, you know, of the quarantine situation that we are in right now. So we don't do that right now, which I feel, I feel so bad. I wish if we, we can still keep doing that. Um, our last question for you is how can people become involved in or support um, work in advancing reproductive justice within our healthcare system? Yeah, I think this is a great question and I don't think that I am in the right position to answer this question accurately since I'm international student and that is still like I'm still in the process of learning about the complicity of the institutional structuring and how things work differently here in the U.S. Uh, however, I would like to say that or I would like to urge people to take an advantage of their uh, right to vote. Yeah, I would like to urge people to take an advantage of their right to vote and like be aware about the political aspect in order to oppose any, for, any efforts to pass banning abortion, for example, or any similar bills. And also like look for organizations that advocate for reproductive health care and try to see what, what are the ways that you can support them. For example, by donation, or maybe just volunteer with them, or maybe just like, just like reading about that and educate yourself about that is maybe enough for you to, to be involved in that work.
Thank you so much, Hanin, for taking the time to speak with us. We hope this episode has helped our listeners better understand the topic of sexual assault and misconduct on college campuses. Before we close this episode, let's return to our quiz. Hey, Hannah, what's your answer to our quiz question? Well, Abby, according to the Guttmacher Institute, it turns out that 37 states in the U.S. currently require young people to obtain parent or guardian consent in order to receive an abortion. I guess this is a barrier for teens and just goes to show how important reproductive justice work is. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Perspectives. We would love to hear your thoughts and reactions to this episode. Please connect with us on Twitter or Facebook with the tag at PubHealthReview.